This this not the uh, gaff scene. Yeah, it is. She's the gaff girl. No, no, the gaff nope. girl's inside. Nope. Get ready. Oh, he Get puts ready. her on the workbench. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she gets benched. Uh, one of the creepier things about some of the the, the he has like the the closet full of people that he has. That, that's fine. That's good. But if you're going, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's we ended. That was a good ending. It doesn't matter. I was just saying the way they kept her her panties on the doorknob the whole time. Yeah, the thing was like so creepy. Oh, oh my God! Through the jeans, no! She's such a nice girl. Oh my God! That is even to my jaded sensibility. Oh my God! Oh my God! Hey, watching the So, the part. fun thing is that I watched this movie with my new boyfriend. Oh, really? <laughs> You're coming out on the podcast. We're still no, we're not. You're coming well, out no. on the podcast. We, no, we've stopped. We've no, we stopped. haven't. No, I haven't. We're still going. No. I watched this, scene with, this movie with my new boyfriend, and we got to experience the gaff scene together, so... What did he think of that? He... I think we both went, ha ah! <laughs> It's it, for me and Caitlin. It's a new sexual position. <laughs> it's a new thing we get to do. I got a gaff. What, what is this with the gaff. commercial, Dave? This is why you can't a commercial in the middle of the gaff scene. What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? I I don't know. I, I can't afford to rent. Come everything. on, man. Damn. Like a buck ninety nine. <laughs> Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Hello. This week, it's Dave's 80s night. Our decades series rolls on. We talked about the 70s last week. This week, it is Dave's time to shine. He has curated two movies from the 1980s for us to check out. Dave, what do you have for us? Well, I decided to dig deep and not do anything that was too above the radar. I wanted to do some a big part of the 80s for me was the digging around uh, when VHS came out in the early 80s. There was an influx of all these crazy underground horror movies. The first one I'm going to talk about um, is Dead and Buried from 1981, directed by Gary Sherman. And it's about a flash mob that murders people in the town of Potter's Bluff. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like hot fuzz during the London fog. Oh <laughs> Um, but uh, Dan Dobbs um, is this kind of, uh, he's a mortician uh, slash kind of, he has like mad scientist vibes, but he's he's played by Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka. <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> which was great. And this is like a, a star-studded cast. Uh, it has uh, a young Robert Englund, um, Mr. Kruger. Englund? Uh, Englund. Right, that's his name, right? Robert Englund? Englund? Uh, yeah, England. U-N-D. Uh, it's U, it's U, and yeah, it's U-N-D, right? Yeah, E-N-G-L-U-N-D. Robert Englund. Englund. Englund? Why do you say it, Kevin? I can't wait to hear you say it now. <laughs> I just always said England. England? A- England? Like the like country, the country. Robert England. No, Robert Englund. All right, well, um, we've I, I don't want to get bogged down in, <laughs> in phonetics, but I finished your sentence, uh, Trent. Um, so, yeah, it, um, th- and it's uh, you know it's just uh, kind of like this whole this whole town, uh, this horde of people comes and kills what usually is people that are passing through, and. Slowly, the sheriff, Dan, is trying to piece everything together. Um, And there's a lot of twists and turns in this. Without talking about spoilers, it's really hard to talk too much about what's actually happening. Um, But basically, uh, Dr. Dobbs uh, is a very good mortician, and he has a very big ego, and a very he's a very proud guy, and he wants... 
people that are dead to look just beautiful, better than they did when they were alive. But it, it actually has like, I, I focus on Dobbs in this movie I, more than I do Dan. Yeah, I, because I would, isn't it a really, it's about Dan, the sheriff yeah, but, who moved back to his hometown. So he's Harrison Ford in Blade Runner, <laughs> right? And Dobbs is Tyrell from Tyrell Industries who's got this army of, uh, you know, goons and people that kind of like he's uh, curated like what they're going to be in the in the afterlife or whatever. But I love Dead and Buried. It's one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Very early 80s, although I don't feel like it looks like it. The production is top notch. And the, the special effects and the gore scenes are so cringy and so realistic. Uh, I was very impressed with this movie. Uh, I watched it way back in the day and then I rewatched it again and was like, all my instincts were right. Uh, Dead and Buried is a great movie. I love this movie. I had never seen this before. I had never even heard of it, but you always bring it up, Dave. Um, this is, I would call this, I, I mean, I think to me, this is underground, uh, in, is in this, in, I don't know what the, I don't remember what the budget was, but to me, this is like a hidden gem of the eighties. In my mind, I would frame this as being a classic example of something that we've talked about before. As far as the setup, this is the, the big city cop, the big shot guy. He moves back home to the small little Harbor front town size of a postage stamp as he says and thinks he's gonna write a few traffic tickets and go have coffee at the local tavern and and uh, do a whole lot of not much and he stumbles onto the case of his life so people start uh, being mobbed by this bizarre like you say this flash mob who takes pictures of people when they kill them yes. mm-hmm. which i really loved that part every time this mob shows up and kills some someone passing through town they all take pictures it's so weird and creepy mm-hmm. um I, I was actually kind of blown away by this movie you don't really know where you know where it's going i thought it played its cards pretty well i didn't even recognize freddy krueger let's just say Whoa. Um, I, I didn't, I knew, I knew him from somewhere, but I didn't realize that that was Robert England, uh, until later on when I was, you know, reading about the movie. Um, I thought it was really creepy. One of my favorite things was how every time Sheriff Dan, he, he's, he's pretty quickly caught up in this investigation because one person dies. And while he's trying to figure out who that person was, why they were there and how they died, like, by the time he, he can't even do that before someone else dies. So these bodies kind of start, like, piling up, and they're all strangers from out of town. Um, I liked how he kept, during the investigation, people kept saying to him, well, ask Janet, your wife. Mm. It was so creepy. Like, mm. he'd just be kind of, he'd be, like, kind of interviewing someone, not, like, questioning them necessarily. And they would say, oh, you know, a- ask Janet. Ask your wife. So weird, and and that I kinda... hate relationships like that. I've had those kind of relationships <laughs> before. Yeah, that's what that's what it kind of reminded me of. I thought a lot of this was relationship paranoia in this sort of mm. this whole dynamic, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that builds through the whole movie where he keeps his wife keeps coming up in the investigation, and he keeps asking her about things that people tell him, and she keeps kind of gaslighting him. I guess I can use that word in the accurate way for once these days where she just like makes him think that he's being weird or he's he's jealous or something he's like he's got some wrong idea when in reality that's not really the case um i loved um the special effects by stan winston who wow uh we've talked about stan winston when we talked about the thing and i think that's the only one of his that um we talked about leviathan on the patreon his uh, filmography is amazing. That guy has done special effects for everything, and he is amazing in this. Um, hypodermic needle to the eyeball, uh, among other things. Love it. Really, really great. Uh, I love this one. Kevin, what do you think? I had never seen this one either, although like when I was looking it up, I definitely knew like the cover art. I'd definitely seen this at the video store. I was really shocked. Um, I watched this one a few times. I know everyone's shocked about that as well. But I got like, you know, the first time I couldn't really follow it. Like I w- it was entertaining as hell. I loved the acting. I was definitely distracted by Grandpa Joe being there. Um, 
you know, you're, you're just you can't unsee it. You see he's the great, scene though. where he's jumping out of bed. But I n- literally never expected to see something from 1981 like so well cover like Jalo, Slasher, Zombie, Reanimator. Yeah. And am I the only one that got like mad Wicker Man vibes from this? Uh, maybe totally. We, maybe it's because mm-hmm. it's relatively recently in the show. But totally. did you guys get like Wicker Man vibes? Oh yeah. yeah, it was like the it was not the totally bumbling cop. It was like the halfway the he's trying to be a good cop. That was another thing yeah. that happened in the eighties. Yeah, I, I was really I was really entertained. I, I like the twist and turn to twists and turns, uh, the Stan Winston stuff. Trent, like, I was shocked to like look up this movie and be like, oh, Stan Winston did all these. Like, that's why they look so good. It was really good at being mysterious and then really brutally gory which i appreciated as a horror fan and i loved i loved the way it unfolded like you you know janet uh played by melody anderson who i guess her most famous role role was flash gordon uh she would go on to retire and be a, a canadian social worker and public speaker now but her character like just sort of like through the whole movie keeps you off balance and you do she gives you like the slasher when you're yelling at the screen for don't run up the stairs don't run down the stairs Anytime Janet's on screen and her and Sheriff Dan are talking, you're yelling at, at Sheriff Dan like, dude, do you not see that like there is something totally off about Janet? Uh, I thought that character was fantastic. Uh, Dobbs is great. Grandpa Joe or not. What a great what a great character. Uh, unfortunately, he died. This was his last movie. He died six months after this came out in 1981. Uh, and really the whole the rest of the cast, there's a lot of people in this like. Uh, a young Glenn Morshower plays Jimmy, and we all know him from, like, he's been a cop or, like, a government agent or something in everything you've ever watched. Like, he was in the Crazies remake, so probably the closest thing to our, our genre that you could put him in. But, like, Barry Corbin, Michael Curry, I mean, there's so many actors in this that would go on to do things or had done things. Um, I love that it's set in Maine. So Potter's Bluff, where it sent the little town, was supposed to be set in Maine. They shot this in California. I thought it was cool that uh, the director, Gary Sherman, was like, let's make sure that we only shoot this on really foggy days out in parts of California that don't look like California. Um, it really did look like Maine. I, I don't know if you guys agree. Like, I totally got like small town Maine vibes watching this. Like Harpswell. It was like mad foggy. Yeah. The whole movie is yeah, so foggy. Totally. But... I mean, overall, this is a really, really good watch. I, I love the way the story unfolds. I love how it kept me off balance. Um, yet, you can pick this thing apart, and it is kind of ridiculous. Second watch is really fun because you notice a ton of stuff that they threw in and characters. There's a, a large cast in this, even if some of them are what Dave called just the flash mob. If you go back and watch, there's a lot of other little Easter eggs and things that you can find, as well as a couple of, of screw-ups that are kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Trent, you said it, hidden gem. I don't know how I'd never seen this, but, again, Dave nailed it. Like, this is a time when horror movies were coming out. Everybody was making them. So, you know, we could do an 80s month, and we would just be scratching the surface of 80s horror movies that none of us have ever seen. Yeah, this movie was definitely... An interesting one, I thought. Um, it started off so out there with that initial beach uh, burning scene uh, that I was definitely not expecting to happen so quickly. Kind of set you up for the rest of the film. Um, I also hadn't read anything about it before I watched it, which is my favorite thing to do. So it made for a really nice what the fuck is going on uh, situation for basically the whole movie. Not that I really ever know what's going on in most movies, which we know. I'm usually wondering what is happening. Um, But, you know, you find out, which is nice. Um, It was just like, what is the motivation for all of this? Like, why are all these people taking all these people out in all of these terrible, terrible ways? But then it all came to fruition. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Did not see that coming. Very into it. Love that you know, the witchcraft kind of situation comes into play. Uh, we all know I love some good witchy shit. It was like, I thought it was like a little witchy reanimator wicker man yeah. situation for sure. I was very into it. 
Um, I obviously loved the gory bits. I've come, you know, guys, I feel like I've come full circle. And I just really love the gory bits now. Yeah, Before right? I was yes. like, Ugh, I can't. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, slash that throat. Woo! Like, I'm very into it. Wow. I'm That's, so proud right now. Thank you. I feel like I've really grown. Yeah. How, about the, how, how about the eyeball scene, though? <laughs> I've become more stunted. Mm, yes. I've become more dead inside. I didn't think it was possible, but here we are. Um, I And, you know, the, the acting was so good because they had such a good, you know, cast with little Grandpa Joe running around doing his little look at him with his little mustache i can't um honestly though the end scene uh when the sheriff is talking with his wife and his wife is you know asking him to bury her (laughs) is like the most heartbreaking thing ever like it kind of made me feel some feelings to be honest i wasn't expecting that i thought it was a very powerful scene um, but it was just a crazy story that I felt was well executed and definitely an under the radar horrors, mo- uh, 80s horror movie. Um, so I was just super into it. Kat, you're good with the, you're good with gore now, but what about the eyeball scene? Could everybody still just watch oh. that and not like, that was away? done so well. The, that whole you know, section with it, where he reconstructed that pretty girl that was taken. I loved it. That was well. There were two eyeball scenes because there's a hypodermic Many, needle the, uh, in the eyeball. I'm talking about and, the hypodermic needle scene. Yeah, oh, but then yeah. there's another eyeball scene where, when the the mortician is reconstructing a face and he has to put eyeballs uh, in. Oh my god! Yeah, very good though. It yeah. was because I was like that. That's a real person. That's great. And then I'm like, wait, why is he, why is he putting his hand in there? What's oh uh, no? And I don't like needles in regular places, so like the eyeball <laughs> definitely is out. That, that was they did that. Crazy. They did it in reverse. So, mm. Stan Winston again, something incredible. That's so, when, that's so simple. That's so simple. What? Doing that scene in reverse. You know, like I edit video and you edit video, and like we know it, just reversing that makes it so yeah. you can stab. Yeah, so into she was just eye. pulling it out. But Game that one. whole, the, the whole guy in the bed was actually a prosthetic, it was like an animatronic. Uh, body that Stan Winston made so that wasn't even a real person wrapped up in bandages right and then he did it so that like she could that you know insert the needle and then pull it out and the eyelid closed right. and so said so when she stuck it in like it's just it's really brilliant like when you read how he pulled off some of these effects he still refers to this movie as one of the hardest movies he ever had to work on huh like he said he put everything when I say hardest I say he still says he put everything he had. He used every penny of this shoestring budget and put used every hour of every day to make this good. Can anyone guess the one scene, the one effect scene that Stan Winston did not do because it's so bad? Oh, wow. There's- oh, I know which one. Uh, with the, he puts the hose of the guy's mouth or whatever. Yes, the acid scene with the doctor. So, yeah. so this movie went through a, a classic production hell where the first production company that bought it was letting Gary Sherman make a dark comedy, dark comedy horror. Wow. They got bought out by a second production company who was still giving Sherman, you know, a lot of control. And then a, another company bought that company. They wanted the humor out. They wanted more gore. They wanted to film more death scenes. So that scene, Dave, that, that you were just talking about, that was added after the rest of the movie was done. And Stan Winston had oh. scheduling conflicts and couldn't come back. So another company came in and did that. You can and it's tell. So you can tell. Flipping, you can totally tell. Well, yeah. I appreciated that I've never seen somebody get killed by shoving two tubes of uh, a tube of acid up each nostril and that's letting true. it burn through their face. So I liked the creativity of it, but uh, <laughs> that's not surprising because this movie uh, was a, apparently a $200,000 budget. So that's like amazing to me. I mean, we have seen much worse looking movies uh, with much uh, more money. Kevin, um, you mentioned what what was the, the connection to The Crazies, the George Romero movie? James Ferentino. Oh, it's The Crazies remake. I'm sorry. Jimmy. Jimmy, who was Dobbs's like oh, okay. intern there, because that's a okay. young Glenn Mar- Mar- uh, Morshauer, I think you because say. Because along name. with uh, the Wicker Man and and Reanimator, this reminded me of the Crazies a little bit, and, and I think that that was like my favorite thing about this is that I thought it was so original, like in its way, as such original idea and originally executed, but I thought it was like steeped in a lot of horror traditions, a lot of these movies that reminded me of 
but it's it's at the same time it's unlike anything else and it's so dark like the lighting is so weird like even in the sheriff's office like he doesn't have a light on it the whole mood i feel like the movie being started as a dark comedy explains dobbs yeah it explains the casting yeah because the casting almost seems inappropriate especially with him but even with uh janet uh dan's wife and everything like very like mainstream 80s uh Act, actors and actresses and so I, I thought it just gave it like a really a really different feeling I just wonder why this movie failed because this movie certainly like failed I mean it, you guys didn't see it you guys are the mm-hmm. biggest horror fans I know and you didn't see it and like what what made this fail it had a great cast it had wow. great effects uh, it was better than Friday the 13th I think it's the I think it's another classic production company thing, uh, and Trent, I don't know where you got the budget. I can't find the budget for this. There's one website that oh. says it was three million, and I find that bullshit. You know, no, I, you know what? It was a two hundred thousand dollar box office. That's oh. speaking of fail. Yeah, that wasn't the budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's the production company thing. I think if you read about the making of this movie, the like I already kind of described how the production companies were were largely left out until the third and final one came in and they saw they saw slasher potential they saw friday the 13th it's not a slasher at all and so cutting out the humor also um and adding in some some of the gore scenes and some death scenes that it also changed the the timeline so there are scenes in this movie like the the scene with the family that stops at the diner and they need, you know, to know like where to get some gas or something like that. Um, that was actually supposed to be like way later in the movie. Uh, so they were also like a lot of editing things. So I think it's something where Gary Sherman had a vision. He had, you know, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett writing it. We've talked about Dan O'Bannon a bunch on the show. The, those two wrote Alien, uh, and he had writers. He had Winston effects. He had everything he needed. A great cast. I think this is a total like overthinking the song after you wrote it kind of thing and adding yeah. pre-choruses and moving bridges and stuff like that. Yeah, well, O'Bannon disowned it, right? If if the if the internet is to be believed, he he had um, the other writer needed his name on it or something, and late in, in an interview for uh, O'Bannon was uh, promoting Blue Thunder. If you remember that '80s action movie about the helicopter. And, oh, yeah, and he in in promoting that movie, he disowns Dead and Buried. He said he didn't he they didn't put any of his writing changes in it or anything. He should be killed. <laughs> it was a popular eighties movie though. So this a very eighties experience that I had uh, with this movie. I rented it from uh, the Shop and Save supermarket on Main Street in Gorham, where I grew up. My dad worked there. I think your mom worked there too, Kevin, with my dad. Uh, they worked in Wyndham together, but my okay. grandmother used to bring my mom and all of her siblings in, so they all knew your dad. Super so it's well. like you know our local yokel uh, grocery store, and I I rented it from there. I I don't know how old I was, maybe twelve, maybe thirteen, and I kept it. I kept it, <laughs> and I wouldn't give it back. I wouldn't give it back, and I watched it over and over and over again, and I loved it, and. It's the story of when the police come to your house because they need to collect the movie that you didn't return, the VHS. I mean, and toward the end, I believe they even checked to see if you rewound it. Like, you know, they were like real hardcore. Be kind, rewind. But my dad worked there, and like I got in like so much trouble for not giving back this movie because, and then making the sheriff come to my house. But Trent, what was your, what was your uh, police coming for a movie? Oh, misery! When we talked about misery, misery. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, they came from, that they, might have been a DVD. The, no, it was no, it was VHS. They came from my roommate and told him either that he can go with them to the store right now, or they can arrest him. Uh, wow, I would have loved to have the story that I was arrested for not returning a VHS. <laughs> was this a real thing that happened? It was. Are yeah. you for real? If you didn't return a VHS, the sheriff would come to you. They would yep. in these small towns. Maybe. It would take a while. Oh, was, yeah, it wasn't like overnight. Well, like a month. Like yeah, two months. A, a month, two months. Yes. Yeah. A couple months <laughs> come out. Really? Like, yeah. I thought this, this was like movie? a bit. I'm like, wow, they're no, really they're really no. diving into I was this. I the library should do this. Because how many books have I gotten from the library? Never return them. Ever. You know? But 
They do on Seinfeld. They used to send the police to your house. And this is yeah. when we were teenagers. Yep. So we were like, we'd be bugging out like, oh my God, the cops are here. And you know, you'd wonder, what did I do? Which one of the things I did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, why are, they, why uh-huh. are they here? And then when there's like, uh, you rented dead and buried from Shop and Save. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but uh, well, but this, that, that's also a very 80s story. Well, speaking of it 80s is. VHS, this, this was a video nasty, which we just talked about uh, on the British Horror episode. I love video. I, I see that as a badge of pride. If I see Me something too. was a Me was too. a video nasty, yeah. and I haven't seen it, I think I should see that. I think mommy of the week should be Janet. Oh, oh yeah, she was um, kind of. You know what? The, not even kinda. <laughs> she was fine. All right, I'll say it. Janet was fine. Like, she looked like a porcelain doll. And if you guys haven't seen um, Flash Gordon from the seventies mm. or eighties, maybe the, maybe nineteen eighties, uh, that's amazing. And she's also very i'll say exquisite mm. in flash gordon as well and it's super it's an underrated movie it's very psychedelic and weird well not only was she fine but there is um there's some sexy time with janet that's like <laughs> I, yeah when the, yeah they go yeah. like snuff film it's like, kind of hot i didn't see that angle <laughs> Now, we have to be careful because the twist at the end blew me away, so I don't yeah. want to give that away. If you haven't seen Same. Dead and Buried... See the thing where we do and we talk about it at the end? We could do it then, I mean, but, the Mutilator des- definitely has no but, twist but, but I can, <laughs> Yeah, that's why no, I was just stopping and saying that, yeah, Janet's sexy time, kind of hot in a snuff film way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the final... Kevin, were you, like, blown away? Because I, I watched... I watched this the first time. I actually was really late and I had to go to bed, so I, I had like some time left. So then I went back and I just watched the whole movie again because it is a little hard to follow. I think that has something to do with Kevin, what you were talking about—the sort of like mishmash process. But the second time, I was like, oh, "Okay, this rules." And then I was so into it. And then that final reveal—I was like on my couch, like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers level yeah. reveal in this. So yeah. good. I mean, it really had me entertained. But it had me in like detective mode, like like Sheriff Dan. You you essentially get sucked into watching this movie like you are Sheriff Dan, and I kept guessing and and correctly, and not that I'm that smart. Janet is literally at certain times like literally giving speeches about here's exactly what's going on, so I was like, okay, I know what's going on. But the final reveal, or or, or there's two final reveals. One, the Dobbs revealed right. did not come to me right away and that blew me away yeah and then the final reveal where snuff film ties to <laughs> sad time ties to flash mob i was like holy shit did not see that coming at all mm-hmm. the nurse is kind of mommy of the week too though she was pretty fine yeah it's right there i love i love this how it starts scene. like a classic cheesy 80s movie and it's like boobs within three minutes <laughs> yeah. but that's all you get this everything is else scene. is gonna be grinding. we're watching the movie right now you guys remember when I had a boob log? And oh! then I put it. <laughs> Sorry, it just happened. This scene just happened. Yeah, you had to retire the boob log because. I was just, you... every week I was like, yep, boobs. <laughs> we had a little art house there for a while, and we had a whole bunch of weeks that were no boobs. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're back to the boobies. Well, the 80s, that's a, a signature. Any type of movie, highbrow, low, lowbrow, anything, it was boobs, just boobs. For sure. Everywhere in the 80s in horror. This movie is uh, happens to be everywhere right now. So if yes. you haven't seen Dead and Buried, it's on Prime, it's on Shutter, it's on Tubi. You can rent it pretty cheap anywhere. Like this is very seeable right now, which I was kind of surprised. Just a couple like interesting things about other people that worked on this movie because Gary Sherman, the director, no longer does horror. Uh, he's a, a film professor uh, at a college, I believe, and he basically says, "I I never want to go back to horror." But he did this movie. His first movie was this uh, movie called Deathline, which I guess in Britain was released that way, called Raw Meat in the States. That looks great. Oh, Raw uh, Meat, yeah. And it was, it was a, a, I don't know how many years ago, it was inducted into like some prestigious English film you know, preservation. Um, and I guess Guillermo del Toro was a huge fan of this guy and was writing him letters to try to get him back into horror. 
Uh, he also directed Poltergeist 3. Yes. Which I know we've talked about Poltergeist, but Poltergeist 3 is the really messed up one because um, the actress died during the making of it. And, um, so he has an interesting background. But what blew my mind in both of these movies have crazy people that worked on them. But the cinematographer for Dead and Buried, which this is a, a well-shot film, he did this movie called Blood Beach. He did Sean S. Cunningham's uh, comedy, Spring Break, which I'm guessing didn't do very well. He would he did Strange Brew. You guys have to know about that. Oh, like, of course. Strange yeah. Brew. Canadian and then he comedy. did fucking Donnie Darko. This is the what? dude that did cinematography for Donnie Darko. And then, Trent, you you will join me in this. Both of the movies we talk about tonight have a tie into Amityville Awakening, which we did on the Patreon. This guy did the cinematography for that as well. So some good, some bad, but really all over the map. Well, I have the ultimate 80s factoid, I think, about this movie. Sheriff Dan is played by James Ferrantino, best known for starring in TV's Dynasty. If that doesn't say 80s, I don't know what does. so 80s. Sorry, one last thing. The music in this was done by Joe Renzetti, who would go on to do original Child's Play, Frankenhooker, Trent, Basket Case 2 and 3. I'm sure you appreciate that. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But but look this guy up, Joe Renzetti. He started as Cameo Records house guitar player. So he's on songs like Let's Twist Again and other Cameo hits. Then he moved to New York and was like, I'm going to arrange for records. So he's working with like Barry Manilow on songs like Mandy and like all these crazy songs that he's helping arrange. So he's like, I'm going to try Hollywood. So his like first film score was for the Buddy Holly story and he wins an Academy Award for it. Then the next year, he does this film score for Under the Rainbow and gets a Razzie for it. Uh, and then he would go on to do all these full orchestral comp- compositions. Like, his his whole history is insane. Um, but yeah, this these movies are so fun to look up and see where all these people started. And we'll talk about it in the next movie. And I'm sure there's some on Dead and Buried, too. Some, it's like the only thing they did is this, like, 180s horror movie. And for others, it's like it launched this massive career and you would never guess the first thing they did was Dead and Buried or The Mutilator. Yo, my second pick for Dave's 80s night is the Mutilator. I mean, Fall Break. <laughs> I, I, mean, I didn't know the if Mutilator. I was the right movie. Yeah, this movie is so gangster and so hard and so under the radar and so underground that they couldn't agree on the name of the movie. Um, I like the Mutilator better. Definitely. Than Fall Break. But I like, I think that makes me, that's one of the things right off the bat, it starts and you're like, oh, they couldn't agree on the title of the movie. I'm into it. Like I was into it because of how campy that is already. And they got a theme song. So I'm picturing these meetings (laughs) where they're just like, well, what do you mean we got to change this title? What about the theme song? (laughs) (laughs) We already made it. So like, I already like this just based on that. And that's like five seconds into the movie. Um, But um, it's directed by Buddy Cooper. It's from 1984. (laughs) You have to, you can't just, oh, it's directed by Buddy Cooper and then go on. It's directed by a guy named Buddy Cooper. (laughs) What's funny about Buddy Cooper (laughs) I thought it was funny. When it, 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 well, I mean, it's a little, it sounds a little jovial It's a, of a name. I, I assumed that it was a, a made-up name, like sometimes it'll be Alan Smith if somebody has taken their name off it. So mm. when I saw oh. written, produced, and directed by Buddy Cooper, right. I thought like that can't be real, but it is. Mm. Well, I, I'd call this a classic he-done-it slasher. <laughs> because it's like, it's like Terror Train is, is like that. I talked about Terror Train a little while ago. 
they they establish who the killer is right away. <laughs> right away. You know who it is. Um, and it's just, it's lowbrow, but it's not comedy. It's a revenge story about a child who accidentally kills his mom when he's cleaning his father's gun for his birthday present. Yeah. Years later, he grows up and is asked to do some upkeep on his father's summer cottage. And this whole part right here, when it goes from the kid to growing up and all that, reminded me a lot of the uh, that Christmas uh uh, oh, Silent Night, Deadly yeah. Night. Silent oh, Night, yeah. Deadly Night. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now he's grown up. Um, he grows up, and and the, his dad calls him at like a, a bar, and he asks him to do some upkeep on his summer cottage. So not having any fall break plans, his zany 80s poster children friends uh, who look like the cast of Welcome Back, Cotter, <laughs> on, on a field trip, uh, they convince him that they should all go to the cottage and, and party uh, and they explore the beach house and they learn the father's proclivity for trophy hunting, a little occult dabbling. And it's spelled out uh, once again that the dad is definitely going to kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing these childlike plot points and the very trife dialogue allows you to just sit back and watch the slash unfold. The compelling element of this movie is how is he going to kill them and what is he going to use to kill them? Uh, he has an arsenal of hunting and fishing tools. The teens uh, are picked off like one by one, and it culminates to a very brutal means of murder, uh, which is essential in like 80s underground slashers, uh, that, that one over-the-top kill that defines the movie and perpetuates some like like word-of-mouth promo, like that's the movie where this happens. Yes. And that was a big part of why I would take a movie off the shelf. This slasher reminds me of like a great four chord Ramon song, but the soundtrack alternates between a blatant ripoff of the Jaws theme, uh, the piano theme from Cheers, and uh, like this Footloose-esque fall break anthem, which is its theme song, um, which makes it all confusing, but I thought this was a really fun watch. I had not seen this before. I went digging into the 80s again because even in the 80s as obsessed as I was with horror I could not possibly see everything and I watched so many movies every single day uh, and I still do um, but um, I went through a huge tunnel of like 80s underground stuff this week and it's really fun to do even just picking titles out of whatever just looking at covers and everything it was Really amazing. Um, I love the 80s and I love the Mutilator um, because I feel like it's like the quintessential 80s movie. Uh, what did you guys think? I love the Mutilator. And to, to talk about the title thing, just from a first time perspective, I'd never heard of this movie before. So we've talked a little bit about movies that are sometimes released under different names in different markets at different times or in different settings. Some of these things change. And some of these movies, especially when you're talking about the 70s and the 80s, they can have two, three, four different names. Sometimes they'll just change the name if they're doing a drive-in run with another movie to make it sound more like that movie or, right. or, or if there's a hit movie of the day. But we haven't seen a movie yet where... You look up the movie, oh, The Mutilator, this is on Tubi, this is, you can rent this for cheap. Okay, this is out there. So the the cover says The Mutilator, and uh, you're like, all right, I'll watch this. And when the title card comes up, it says Fall Break. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, all right, wait a minute now. This is called Fall Break, uh, or is this called The Mutilator? And not only that, the theme song begins right at the start, and the theme song is called Fall Break. So <laughs> we haven't... This is the most extreme example that we've seen yet. Uh, and I loved that. This is like a dirty, trashy, mm. ultimate 80s trash slash. I love this mm -hmm. movie. Man, so good. I'm not I'm not going to say it's so bad it's good. It's just good. I was so surprised at um, how brutal this movie is. Great special effects in this. this mm -hmm. We talk about guys like Stan Winston and Tom Savini. I don't even I don't even know I don't remember who even did the effects on this but they're amazing. You've got beheadings, you've got I loved how the whole the the cabin where the kids go it's like 
automatically equipped with all the murder weapons. And I loved all the trophies on the wall. You've got swordfish on the wall. You've got uh, the jaws um, teeth, you know, the, the mm-hmm. shark teeth. You've got like gophers coming out of the wall, all of this stuff. Um, classic, classic stuff. The opening scene is a child shooting his mom with a rifle and it's graphic by accident. So yeah. right away, I was like, oh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That was right around the same time. That is a, a, a great thing to have when you bring the kids into it. You have them killing people and stuff. And then, uh, like you said, Dave, like there's no question whatsoever about there's no mystery at all. They just show you that, oh, it's his dad. So no spoiler there. He's hiding with a with a battle axe in the attic. Okay. Yeah, I guess he's hiding somewhere. Axe. He's lurking everywhere. This, this must be the mutilator, I'm guessing, <laughs> since he's hiding with a battle axe while kids are in the house. And he has a dream. I think my favorite part, other than we'll get to the um, the gaff murder, which is one of the most yes. incredible things I, I've yeah. ever seen. I but can't wait to talk about the, that. The dad, the mutilator in question, he has a dream while he's hiding with a battle axe in the house. He has a dream about murdering his son, slitting his throat with a battle axe. And it's very realistic and very, very sick. Um, but I thought it was in the greatest, like, sick trash slasher tradition so i absolutely love this one uh i think there's a lot to talk about here kevin you i'm sure you had not seen this before i definitely not i've never seen this movie definitely not i now will probably watch it like once a year to so i can be happy uh, <laughs> if that makes sense at all i also started it and then literally went back and went back on Tubi and was like, okay, well, it says I started The Mutilator, but this is called Fall Break, and that song's fucking terrible, so this can't possibly be what, what's going to happen to me right now. And I started again, and then, like I don't like to do, I had to look it up. I like to watch the movie before I start researching it, and it was like, oh, yeah, The Mutilator, also titled Fall Break. And apparently the budget was so bad, what you couldn't different fi- fix titles. the title card. Was that... What vast different titles, you know what I mean? The Mutilator, the mutilator. or Fall Break. Fall. And that font, too. Like, the font yeah, the, of the Mutilator on the cover of the thing, and then Fall Break font is, like, so different. Fall Break it's looks like, like it could be, like, The Breakfast Club or something. Fall Break. <laughs> yes. And so does the cast, like Dave said. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this movie, but I love it. It's so bad. And like you said, Trent, it's not as so bad as good. This movie tells you everything that's going to happen in the first, like, few minutes. And the actors are horrible. They're so bad. Mm-hmm. But somehow, in a movie that gave you the whole, the whole movie is given away to you. The actors are bad. The characters are completely underdeveloped. You know within 10 minutes they're only there to be killed in, in creative ways. But why did I love every single character or almost every single character in this movie? Why did I love them? I just love them based on their looks. (laughs) No, but yes, seriously, it's it's so bizarre. Trent, you talked about the FX. Um, This guy named Mark Shostrom. And again, to bring it back, he did Amityville Awakening. But here's what he would also do. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 3, Evil Dead 2, From Beyond, Phantasm 2, Deep Star Six. This guy has been in the makeup department or special effects on tons of movies that we love and have already even talked about on this show. So, I mean, unlike Dead and Buried, Buddy Cooper got, you know, a couple ringers, um, but he did not have the, the full cast that Gary Sherman did. I love the kills. Um, the, and, and honestly, like... The characters, like Matt, Matt Mittler is the only one that would ever go on to really act again. Uh, he played he played Junior, who, you know, shot his mom after hanging a sign on his daddy's gun cabinet that said, Happy birthday, daddy, all clean by me. Starts cleaning his dad's gun. <laughs> like, what oh the hell? Um, I mean, I had to respect that opening, I guess. But Trent, he would go on to play Artie in Basket Case 2. So maybe you, you know, remember him from your Basket Case trilogy. I didn't, wow. But literally the other characters, Pam and Ralph, they're a couple. Ed Jr. and Sue, they're a couple. And then you have Linda and Mike. And you know exactly what's going to happen, other than maybe like who the final person is, which Mm -hmm. I was a little surprised by that, that they did what they did at the end. Yeah, Yeah, Um, it's dope. But it's another movie that has these, uh, Dead and Buried did as well, I didn't mention it, but 
it has these hilarious like day night issues where like someone walks into like the kill cabin where Big Ed has like all of his like you know murder tools and they they walk out five minutes later and it's night Um, or they like go play a game and it's like full daylight and then you know walk out on the balcony like oh shit it's nighttime Mm -hmm. again Uh, both of the movies that that you pick Dave have like massive what time is it issues um, I love the gaff. We need to get to the gaff. Cat's gonna have to give or take first, or take that. Oh, I'm gonna but talk about that. But even better was like, do you remember? I didn't write it down. What are the things that like his dad would throw against the wall when they were hammered? I didn't get what that was. What were those? They're like Illuminati fucking triangles. They're throwing. Definitely uh, not. So, I definitely still don't know. Like it's just some sort of like fucking. hunting thing or some fishing thing or something. Yeah, maybe a fishing thing. Cat, let's go. I, I gotta, I'm, I'm feeling really good right now. It's my week. The first movie went over great. Everyone loved it. This movie, we're all the way up to you. You're the last one. If you like this, this means I picked two smash hits. Mm. And I'm excited about that. So like, I really hope you like this movie. No pressure. Go. This movie is uh, fucking so bonkers. And for some reason... I did love it, Dave. Oh, <laughs> round of applause oh, for yes. '80s week! All Yay! All right. Oh, right, it's like I'm the king of the prom. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for you, Dave. Um, it starts off with such a bang, literally. That was my pun for the week, and it's just the most fucked up story that I can. I think anyone could think of to start the movie off. The dad making the mom's body drink the Jack Daniels? Oh, yeah. Thank like, you. what the fuck? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, he's like, gives like, dead mom a shot of whiskey? Yeah, he's like, not going to call the police. He's still celebrating his birthday. <laughs> yeah. No matter what happens, he's still going to celebrate. <laughs> We're still banging, honey. <laughs> oh. That's oh. Nice. Uh, you know right away that you're going to see some fucking weird stuff in the next hour and a half, for sure. And the theme song was like a weird 80s sitcom intro that is just so confusing, but honestly seems to match the weird tone of the rest of the movie pretty well, I thought. Um, Obviously, the acting is god-awful, but it made it ten times better somehow. Uh, Also, the constant foreshadowing that's going on is (laughs) so laughable. Like, everything he points to on the wall, he's like, oh, yeah, my dad did that, blah, blah, blah. And then you, like, see it later. I love that scene. Like, every single time. That scene is amazing. But I thought the best part of the movie was all the gore that we got to experience. We got stabbed faces, decapitations, amputations, pitchforks to the throat. Oh, man. And, of course, the most horrible one that we've all been wanting to talk about. That that fucking gap to the (laughs) vagina. Oh, my God. Whoop, whoop. Ahead of its Um, time, really. Ahead of its time. The worst part about that part for me was thinking back to the beginning when all that foreshadowing was going on. And the son is, like, telling that story about the pregnant shark. That his dad killed and how it was like foreshadowing him basically impaling this poor girl through the uterus. Oh, man. It was just so brutal. Oh, man. Because I was watching it and I was like, oh, she's just getting stabbed. Oh, no. Oh, no. You guys didn't like it? I thought it was awesome. I loved it. (laughs) It's not that I didn't think it was awesome. It's just that I was just like, "Uh, uh," the whole time. And then I thought about the shark and it was just like a full circle moment. Um, I never want that to ever happen to anyone in real life do you You think it has she was also like all the girls were like really nice in this usually in slashers there's like there's a villain girl yeah Yeah. they're kind of like bitchy or they're like extra slutty or like manipulative or whatever but in this they were just like all you like the the girl that got the gaff you liked her she was really (laughs) nice the gaff girl it was like oh my god what a nice girl don't do that to her we thought that the uh the hair iron scene in Sleepaway Camp. Oh. We thought that was bad. Mm-mm. So Ooh, yeah. if you've seen Sleepaway Camp and you imagine the hair iron scene, but it's a giant like swordfish gaff that you would, and it's- uh, a giant hook. Sleepaway Camp leaves something to the imagination in, in their hair iron scene. This Mm-mm. is the most graph, is, I have never seen in all my years. Oh, wow. I, I'm going to say I have never seen anything like the gaff murder 
in this movie. It's like it's long, and it's a, it's just like one shot. There's no cutting mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. There's no a shadow on the wall. Right. It's it's just like it's it right shows there. you. I mean, it was almost like Cronenberg. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And here's the thing. I've seen a lot of blood come out of vaginas before, oh. but oh. not as much as this one. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you guys a story? Speaking of that, I, I took my daughter school shopping in Boston yesterday. Good segue. And I was walking around the store, and I saw this shirt on the floor, and I was like, oh, I should hang that shirt back up. So I picked up the shirt, and I lifted it up, and there was a homemade tampon <gasps> covered in blood. It was like a paper towel like rolled up the shape of a, a vagina innards, and then... There was blood all over the floor, and I called the people that work at the department store, and I told them about this homemade tampon, and they came over, and there was like six associates in a circle around this thing. What do we do? Wow. (laughs) You were in the mutilator. I was. (laughs) Have you you maybe gone to your doctor since? (laughs) Since the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think we need to go back to Dave's scene that he mentioned when when Ed Jr. gets everybody to the condo and they're like, there's just booze bottles everywhere and he's showing them all of his dad's achievements and yeah. he's, you know, talking about how he has a terrible dad. He's a drunk, he comes down here with all his buddies, um, but they're like, you know, why is there a shark jaw? And he gives, like, the gaff story. There's the whatever the hell we talked about that they were throwing at the wall, and his dad won and framed it. But then there's a shot of a guy who is, like, dead and covered in blood. And Ed Jr. is just like, oh, yeah, my dad ran that guy over I, with a jet ski. Uh, and he <laughs> yeah, took a what? picture and framed it. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you. I was going to bring that up. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. You killed a guy in a ski boat accident, and you, it was framed. Am I right, Kevin? Was it framed? Yeah. It was it was framed, and modest, guess who the modest frame? Guess who, guess who the guy is? Uh, the guy in the photo is Buddy Cooper. Oh wow! Oh, wow. That's a good one. Good well, job. I was like, I don't know if I'm missing something, but it seems like he has a framed photo, not like of the guy before he died, but he has a photo of the like the crime scene picture of the guy <laughs> all cut up by the the ski boat uh, motor. Uh, in his house, or or the battle axe is definitely missing, and and little Ed here is like, tell you what, you know, let's 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 just figure it out in the morning, and if it's still missing, like we'll call the cops. That was like, reasonable. What the fuck I do you mean? Well, and the other thing about the again foreshadowing, they show that you know picture of the guy cut up by the motor, and then the first death is the one of the the jock or whoever getting motorized by like a boat propeller. Oh right. So Mike. It's oh no. Full Linda circle, eats man. it before Mike. Linda eats it in the pool. Yep. And then Mike is led away by Linda's underwear. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And then he yeah, eats it. Hey, dude, the way dish. he dies is so funny. His acting in the death yeah. scene is oh, so man. funny. But it's endearing. I don't know what it is I like about it, but I do. So the I, don't, I, I, think, too. I think I think maybe I don't like that guy because reading about the movie, and again, this may speak to why we all like these characters and we like this movie. Everybody in the cast got super, super close, and they would hang out all the time. And even after one of them died, they stayed on the shoot the whole time and got really close, except for Mike. Apparently, the actor that played Mike was a dick, and he would go work on his tan if he wasn't shooting. And the second that his death scene happened, he would just pe- he pieced out from the whole set. And where they were all staying is a motel that Buddy Cooper's family owned. And that's what Buddy Cooper does now. He runs that motel. Wow. I want to stay there. Kevin, what was the relationship between the, the child in the movie was played by uh, a Cooper, right? Was that his son? Oh, I have no idea. I never, I never read that. I think his wife at the time stood in as the mother. Okay, well, the kid, the kid in the movie, his last name is Cooper. So I just assumed that's what told me that it was actually that Buddy Cooper was a real person because he's never done anything but this movie, right? Has Buddy Cooper ever done anything else? 
Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I think I the, the kid was his son. I believe that's that's when I started to believe that Buddy Buddy Cooper might actually exist and not just be an ashamed uh, name that he put on this or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. I I didn't see that in anything that I could find. Um, but I know that I think it was his wife at the time that the actress that was supposed to play the mom in the opening scene backed out um, because her religion was forcing her or pressuring her because of the violent nature of the film. Good religion. Um, what's that? Good religion, whatever that, whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, another classic 80s element of this is the cop. The bumbling mm-hmm. cop who only exists in this movie to have the most gruesome death. This is one of the greatest <laughs> beheadings. This is a kid. Kill count ad. Oh, my God. But, yeah, not only kill count ad, but he gets the full beheading with the battle axe and his torso, like, stays in place and squirts blood. And they keep showing mm. his head. This movie was uh, ahead of its time, uh, like a lot of these 80s movies. We've talked about ACAB, you know. ACAD. Oh. All, cap- all cops are decapitated. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I, I had a I had like a like like I did like a list of five things that like really stood out to me. Uh, number one was like when they're heading to like or be to, to party at the condo. Um, they get a twelve pack of beer, and it's four or it's uh, what six people. It's bottomless. <laughs> it's a bottomless like, twelve you, pack. Of course, you know you, of course, you would. You think know, that. You, you know, you have a drinking problem when you're like when you think about that on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> you're just laughing out loud about like yeah, twelve beers for six people. Okay. But they never run out. They keep drinking beers the whole time. Yes, yes. Um, also, like uh, the man, like going to bed fully clothed with your keys in your pocket. I, saw, I noticed that. Like in the ending sequence, um, they jumped out of bed like before that. I do that. Uh, I do one, that all the time. The old, the old school cigarette lighter in the in the final sequence. I loved that. I thought that was great. And then the cop you were talking about, Trent, like zero urgency at all from the cops. Like they park like a football field away, even though you can clearly see all the actions at this car. Uh, and he's just like, pull forward. But it does like add like some nice gore. I think we uh, need to address the most bizarre aspect of this movie. After the movie has ended, and it has ended in a, a cascade of, of killing. A uh, great final death scene for the mutilator. He takes a cop out on his way. There's two two dead cops in this, or at least the last one is uh, has had a leg chopped off. Um, there's like a a blooper reel almost, yeah. like set to like <laughs> Benny Hill yeah. like music, like old time Benny Hill music. Like I thought it was gonna do the full. This is an extremely '80s reference that I don't know if anyone will get. Like Cannonball Run. Remember right. Cannonball Run? Right. Yeah. We're at the, with Dom DeLuise and, and Burt yeah. Reynolds. At yeah. the end of the movie, during the credits, they would show all the bloopers from the movie. The, this movie does that. At first, it shows you like blooper outtake scenes over the credits, and it gives this like funny. Well, you're talking about Dead and Buried, almost was a dark comedy. I feel like this was they were like trying to like skew this line and this do this crossover between comedy and horror. Yeah. And. This one just did not hit the mark because it was way too horror. It was way too. I, dark, I thought it. I thought brutal. they were doing like '80s sitcom, like you said. Like you said, and and do you believe like horror. the, the yeah. juxtaposition yeah. between the '80s sitcom, like Brady Bunch shit, yeah. and then the shit that's like the most disturbing, gruesome shit you've ever seen on tape? You know what I mean? Like it's insane that that happens in the same movie. Well, Dave, I thought that, so. Here's why I thought you had seen this movie, is because you have long loved the slasher movies where the killer collects the bodies and like sets them up for like this reveal scenario, and this movie has a fantastic version of that where like he kills them, he collects them. At one point, he puts like the light in one of the guy's bodies and like oh. flicks the switch on, mm-hmm. uh, which I was disappointed because when the bodies were revealed, the light wasn't on. So that was wasted effort, mutilator. Uh, so I was like, oh, Dave must have seen this a bunch of times. And he he loves like when the, the slasher collects the bodies and one of the friends finds them. So I was I was shocked that, that you hadn't seen this. There was also a very weird scene uh, in the middle of the movie when what's his name goes out to lock up and 
all of a sudden there's that like flash like speed motion scene with the funny Benny Hill music again yes. where he like what what was that yeah. doing in there? I don't know. That was and so that's strange. what makes this movie so weird but so good. You're just like what the It was but him it was him putting his pants on real fast to go do what she told him to do because he was going to come back and get some. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it was just like so out of tone with the whole rest of the movie. Just so good. Such you know, if if Dead and Buried um is like a hidden gem that I think is kind of out of time, like Dead and Buried could have happened in any decade. It would have had a different aesthetic and it maybe would have had different sensibilities and production values. But I feel like that's a movie like that could have been Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It could have been anything. This movie is just belongs 100% to 80s trash slash. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's great. I, I couldn't recommend this one more. Gee, thanks, guys. And if if you want to really... listen to Fall Break... It's by Peter Yellen and the Breakers, but it was written by Michael Menard, who did the music for the film, and someone named Arthur Resnick. <laughs> 